Non-stop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. to people when they say that Islam is a peaceful religion or that it's really only a minority who are violent or extremists or that the majority of Muslims are moderate and they're peaceful. Well, there are a couple of things you can say to these people. The same people who are saying that Bruce Jenner is a woman or a white woman can be black or little boys aren't little boys or that it, or that little girls aren't little girls or that having sex with animals is a is a choice, a lifestyle choice. Well, then you could say to them, fine, in that world of insanity, Islam is a peaceful religion. But in the world of reality and truth, Islam is not peaceful and it's not a religion. Islam is a totalitarian political ideology. Its goal is to create Islam as a civilization alternative. There are three phases. I have these outlined on my website, bethanyblankley.com. And there are basic terms that you need to know to fight back with people and to say, listen, we're not going to take this. We're not going to take this nonsense of people saying, yeah, it's peaceful and it's only the minority. Well, let me give you a couple of facts. Number one. Takiyah, Quran-sanctioned deceit. The Quran is one of the three aspects of the Muslim trinity, for lack of a better term. The Quran are the sayings that were written down by Muhammad as allegedly instructed to him through the angel Gabriel from Allah, the God named after Muhammad's father. Okay, so Muhammad, by the way, there were no witnesses and Muhammad is is telling this to people much later and they're writing it down much later. So this is not as if these were eyewitness accounts like are written down in the Older New Testament. There were 150 followers of Muhammad in Mecca when he first started proclaiming about Allah and, and, and this new religion, Islam. But after he was forced out and fled to Medina, then Islam started to expand. Why? Because of the military component. Because they started capturing Jewish caravans and killing the Jews and taking the spoils. Because they started taking people's weapons from them and their livelihood. And they killed all of the men and took their women. They built up an army. And as they expanded north and west, they, as everywhere where Islam spread, so also did slavery. So the idea that Islam is a peaceful religion or that it's a minority, well, the reality is that's not the case at all because the ultimate goal is to have a civilization alternative under the totalitarian political ideology of Islam. So the first thing is taqiyya, which is Quran-sanctioned deceit. In the Quran, it instructs 
Muslims to lie to non-Muslims who are the kufar. We are the non, I am a kufar. We are the non-believers. We are infidels who reject submitting, which is what Islam means, submitting. We reject submitting to Allah. We reject submitting to the Quran. Well, a Muslim will say, well, Takiyah isn't in the Quran. Well, okay, the word Jesus isn't in the Quran either, but it's you write it's written about Jesus all over the place. And the reality is that there's a chapter and verse instructing Muslims to lie to non-believers, as is what is in the Hadith. So within that trinity of Islam is the Quran. Second is the biography of Muhammad. And the third is the Hadith. The Hadith are the sayings of what Muhammad said and did. They are written instructions based on what his actions and his military actions were. They record basic events that happened. Same thing as what is in the biography. And that is linked to on my website. You can even read a, you can read an uh, English version of that. You can buy it on Amazon. So, takiyah is the first thing. All right. So, the word takiyah is not in the Quran. So, what? It's still instructing them to lie to non-Muslims. The other aspect is that, well, they're just a minority and the majority are peaceful. Well, that's also a lie or a misunderstanding of not knowing that Islam develops within three phases depending on the, the number of Muslims in a population, in a given population where they immigrant immigrate to. So you look at whether or not a Muslim population is 5%, 10%, 20%, 50%, 70%. And then you can identify and understand, well, what phase of Islam exists within that socio-political construct. And in America, there are all three phases of Islam existing. But as we talked about in the second phase, where it's up to about 20%, think of what happens when there's more than 20% of Muslims in a population and how there is disproportionate violence and disregard for laws throughout that society. And that's what this third phase of Islam is. But we, before we get to the third phase, I want to talk more about the moderate Muslims and how they're completely irrelevant. If, let's just go with that argument, let's just say the minority are violent. Well, what is that minority? How many, minor, how many are in the minority? Well, according to national security organizations, several of them, the quote-unquote radical Muslims who are quote-unquote violent, only the radical Muslims who are violent, well, they account for about 15 to 25% of Muslims worldwide. How many Muslims are there? There's about 1.2 billion, and it's escalating. So what's 15 to 25% of 1.2 billion Muslims? That equates to the United States of America, 180 to 300 million, quote-unquote, radical Muslims. Think about that. The entire population of the United States, both illegal and legal. Think about it. Think about one out of every four kids in school who is a bully. Or one out of every four of your coworkers who's a pedophile. Think about that. 15 to 25% of 1.2 billion Muslims, that's not an insignificant number. And yeah, people should be concerned about a 25% of the world that is radical, quote unquote radical Muslim. 
That's nearly the entire population of the United States dedicated to destroying Western civilization. Yes, we should be concerned. So what? Let's just focus on the minority. Let's focus on a population of the United States of America dedicated to destroying Western civilization. Do you want someone to tell you who you can and can't have sex with? Do you want someone to tell you what is legal and how to dress? How many children you should have? The fact that you have zero control of your own body, women. There are no rights for women. There are no gays in Muslim countries. They're all dead. A minority of violent Muslims is a significant problem. In fact, it's probably one of the greatest national security threats for any Western country on the planet. 25% of 1.2 billion Muslims is significant. That is a significant threat. It's not just something you shrug off and you're like, oh, well. No, you fight it. You say, we're not going to take this. We're not going to take nearly 300 million radical Islamic extremists. You think what's what's happening over in the Middle East with ISIS is just an isolated incident? That's not an isolated incident. That is what is happening here on American soil. We just don't have the presence yet of what ISIS is doing. But they do exist. Look at the Boston bombers. Look at the Oklahoma beheader. Look at what happened to Air Asia Flight 8501 or the Malaysian Flight 370. Those planes disappearing in 2014, well, that was not an accident. That that just didn't happen out of thin air. The NYPD cops being killed, targeted, they're being killed by Muslims. And the Gitmo prisoners who are being released, what are they doing? They're committing crimes, horrific crimes, all throughout Europe. One goes right back to Pakistan Pulls out a teacher and his kids from school, lights the teacher on fire to prove a point to these kids that they don't deserve to have an education. Under Islam, imagine the entire United States of America, forget about Common Core. Under Islam, there would be no public schools. Little kids, you're not allowed to go to school. Little girls, forget about it. All of the attacks on military bases on embassies, on schools, the Beltway sniper shootings, the USS Cole attack, the theater attack in Moscow, the nightclub bombing in India, multiple airline hijackings, 9-11, the shoe bomber. This has been going on for years. Years. In fact, when you look at the violence perpetrated by Muhammad and his followers, this has been going on for 1,400 years. And what have the majority, what has the majority, the moderate Muslims, done to prevent any of this? The majority is totally irrelevant. The moderate peaceful Muslims have no control over the minority. So to say that the moderate Muslims are completely relevant is irrational. So you go back to the stupid argument that Islam is peaceful and you say, okay, well, there are three things I can say to that. One was Takiya and Quran sanctioned deceit and lying. Two, talk about how the how it's seriously relevant that the minority of extremists represent the entire population of the United States, and that's worth fighting against. And third, 
What are the moderates and the peaceful people doing about it? Nothing. They're not preventing it. They're not even outraged over it. Why? Because everybody knows you can't do that. It's not allowed under the Quran. If you're if you haven't been given this insight about jihad, your own personal jihad, you certainly can't you certainly can't denounce it in public. You can't say that it's forbidden because it's not. No Muslim who wants to leave Islam can do so unless they're dead. You cannot convert out of Islam without being killed by somebody in Islam. You can't condone somebody else for their violence. You cannot prevent it because it is part of Islam. That is what this system is. This is all part of the third phase of Islam. And it has to do with the percentage of people within a population who are instituting Islamic ideology, which is totalitarian in nature. So the reality is, is renegade nation, what are we going to do about it? We're not going to take it. We're going to say no. The peaceful and the moderate Muslims in America, they're completely irrelevant. And the minority who are violent, they're a serious threat. They're a serious threat to national security. This is not about religion. This is not about the First Amendment. This is about protecting people from threats, both foreign and domestic, which is why the majority of people in Congress and nearly everyone in the White House are guilty of treason. Find out who your elected representative is getting money from, from Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. What Arab nations are sending them money? You think Hillary Clinton is bad and Bill Clinton is bad. What's John Boehner? What are the Republicans? John McCain, Mitch McConnell. They're equally as bad. This is not a partisan issue. Everyone in Congress is getting paid by an Arab country, by a Muslim-majority country. There are 56 Muslim-majority countries who are determined to destroy Western civilization because they want to implement Islam as the civilization alternative. That is the point. The point of Islam is to have a global caliphate. A caliphate is just a rule. So instead of a ruling, a, a system of ruling, instead of having the Supreme Court, you're going to have Sharia Council, which is which is 12 imams who are the highest in a caliphate, having global rule and authority to implement and regulate laws according to the Quran, the Hadith, and Sharia law. This is serious. This isn't, these aren't just minority extremists. And even if you want to use that argument, the reality is, is that minority extremists matter. The minority equals the population of the United States. Do we want a population of the United States destroying Western civilization where every single person in the United States is committed to destroying Western civilization? Well, that's what Islam is. This is not to be taken lightly, and there are things you can do about it, and you hold your elected representatives accountable, you get them out of jail, or we're going to end up having a revolution, and people are going to be defending themselves on their own property. This is not a conspiracy. If you think what's happening in ISIS is, is, with, is with ISIS is isolated, you're kidding yourselves, and you're believing the lie not just that Bruce Jenner is a woman or that a white woman can be black or that a boy can be a girl, but that any of those things matter because none of that matters under Islam. All those people would be dead. There is no such thing as freedom to do whatever you want under Islam. Think about it. 
Do you want to live in a society that tells you who you can and can't have sex with? Who you can and can't marry? What you can wear? What you can and can't eat? Forget about Mayor Bloomberg and regulating sugar or smoking. Forget about it. There's no smoking or alcohol under Islam. There's no gambling. Las Vegas, forget about it. No casinos exist under Islam. They're all outlawed under the Quran. So if you really care about your freedom and being able to do whatever you want, even if that's even if it means you want to support Bruce Jenner and whatever it is he's doing, the reality is you can't have your cake and eat it too. And the reality is that Islam's entire purpose is to destroy those freedoms. I don't care if Bruce Jenner wants to be a, is is so demented that he wants to be a woman. In America, you can choose to do that. You can choose to take advantage of people. You can choose to lie to people. You can choose to make as much money as you want at other people's expense. You also have the freedom to do that without the threat of being killed. Bruce Jenner could never come out as a woman or have sex reassignment surgery in Saudi Arabia. Think about it. There are no transgender. There is no trans anything under Islam. I've got to take a break. We'll be back. It's Bethany Blankley. You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. We're going to talk more about Islam, the third and final phase of Islam, which is really the beginning of what Muhammad started and the violence that's been going on for 1,400 years and what we can and will do about it. Nonstop Shock Radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Bethany Blankley, hosting America's Betrayal. Been talking a lot about Islam and all of the lies people are telling about whether or not it's peaceful. The minority are extremists, which in reality, minority is significant. And the fact that the majority who are moderates and peaceful, quote unquote, don't matter. And I just want to give an analogy to that again. In 1939, only 6% of Germans were members of the Nazi party. But within 10 years, that 6% was responsible for the death of nearly 70 million people and the destruction of an entire European region. So the peaceful majority of Germans or Austrians were irrelevant. Think about Stalin and how a minority in his government killed one-third of Russia's population that we know of. The peaceful majority, the moderate majority, were irrelevant. Same thing with the Ottomans. They massacred more than a million Armenians in 1915, 100 years ago. Yet the peaceful, quote-unquote, moderate majority of Muslims were, again, they were irrelevant. 
It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. In every society, you see that it's going to be a minority that's slaughtering millions of people and the quote-unquote moderates do nothing about it. The Japanese slaughtered more than 30 million throughout Southeast Asia. They were a minority. Think about the Mao Zedong's regime. It killed well over 50 million people and 30 million during just during his quote-unquote great leap forward. The great leap forward of communism was killing nearly 80 million people. So the peaceful majority or the moderate majority are always going to be completely irrelevant. It only took 19 people, the quote-unquote radical minority or the extremists or the lone wolves to kill 3,000 Americans on 9-11. And I know a lot of people forget about that and they don't care because it doesn't affect them. But smelling the result and decay of burning flesh or jet fuel or metal Even though smells are difficult to remember, think about perfumes or the smell of flowers or whatever, I can tell you, I will never ever forget the smell of burning jet fuel and flesh and ash that covered that entire area two blocks from where I used to work. You never ever forget the smell of death. Never. And the reality is, is that until people realize that that death is going to come to their doorstop, they're going to keep playing around and not realizing as they go about their day or they watch American Idol or anything else. The reality is that Americans are targeted as, as, as enemies. No matter who is living next door to you, you are still the kufar. You are still the enemy. And even if you think that you are innocent and you're not at war, You are. You've already been targeted. Just because you don't think that you don't have an enemy doesn't mean that someone else hasn't identified you as an enemy. There has been a deliberate, intentional, relentless approach to create Islam as the civilization alternative. And talking about this third and final phase, it actually overlaps into the first phase following what Muhammad did once he left Mecca and was in Medina. There are several terms. We've talked about Taqiyah and Sharia, and we've talked about uh, Jihad, the Quran, the Hadith, the Sunnah. There are two other words, terms that need to be understood, which is why when Muslims talk about peace, they're really meaning something else. Peace in Islam means something entirely different. Just like Bruce Jenner saying he's a woman or the white woman saying she's black or a boy not being a boy, a five-year-old little boy thinking he's a girl. That mentality, it's the same thing where somebody is going to say Islam is peaceful. You have to understand what do they mean by peace. And there are two very important terms to understand. The non-Muslim world, Muhammad calls Dar al-Harb, and that means house of war, Dar al-Harb. So automatically, every non-Muslim, every non-Muslim in the entire world falls into this house of war, meaning they are the enemy, Dar al-Harb. Under Islamic totalitarianism, world peace will exist, and that means Dar el-Salam. Dar el-Salam is world peace. How do you get world peace? When everybody is conquered and Sharia ruled. That is the point. The third phase of Islam has to do with increased attacks on non-Muslims, 
widespread massacres. It's evidenced by militia warfare. And this usually takes place when Muslim immigrants have reached a population of about 40%. 60% or above, you're going to see persecution of non-Muslims. That's going to be constant. And around 80%, all, all non-Muslims are going to be driven out of their homes or their country. They're either going to be seriously oppressed, sold into slavery, slavery or killed. Within this context and within what I've explained about how to read the Quran and understanding the various texts, chapter 9 is very essential. Many Muslim scholars believe chapter 9 of the Quran is the final or nearly final revealed chapter, meaning that what's in chapter 9 abrogates earlier, shorter passages. So the peaceful passages that people may refer to, and by the way, I'm not really quite sure that they are peaceful because I've read the Quran and as I've been rereading it to go through how they talk about Jesus and Abraham and Moses and all these other people from the Bible that they've renamed and that is renamed and plagiarized. In fact, a lot of the way the Quran is written really doesn't make any sense, even if you were looking at it from like a, a narrative perspective. Uh, it's almost like you're, you would be reading a book and you understand reading the book, chapters one through 10, and yet parts of chapter 10 are in chapter three and parts of chapter two are in chapter eight. So a lot of the plagiarism and, and changing around of factual events actually gets all jumbled when you understand what has been rephrased or rewritten in the Quran from earlier stories that were communicated by word of mouth oral history one of the things to understand chapter 9 verse 5 it's known the verse of the sword another another key verse to remember is chapter 9 verse 29 remember it's called the surah those are the names for the chapters and accordingly, when you think about Dar al-Harb, the house of war, versus Dar al-Salam, Muslims categorize within this concept of Islamic totalitarianism, they categorize two kinds of people, the Kufar and the Muslim. The Kufar are the non-believers. They fall into the house of war, meaning they are the enemy and they will always be the enemy. This is what Muhammad instructs in the Surah 929. He says, and I'm quoting, Fight those who do not believe in Allah, nor in the latter day, nor do they prohibit what Allah and his messenger, his messenger is Muhammad, have prohibited, nor follow the religion of truth. So you need to fight the people who don't believe in Allah. You need to fight the people who are seeking to prohibit what Muhammad says about Allah. You need to fight the people who do not follow the religion of truth, which is Islam. You need to fight the Christians and the Jews who are, quote unquote, the people of the book. And how do you do that? First, it's going to be financially taxes. So in general, if a Muslim, if a non-Muslim is a kuf, if a kufar, a Jew or a Christian or an atheist or agnostic or whatever, and they're living as a minority, or a majority in a country, they are, they are considered legally as third-class citizens. They have a third-class legal status, which means that they automatically are taxed in a Muslim-majority country. It's called dimitude, and the tax they pay is the yidzi. 
Once you increase the tax to the point that you can't even feed your family or earn a living, you have an opportunity to convert. If you don't convert, you have an opportunity to leave. And if you don't leave within that certain period of time, then it is justifiable to kill the non-believer. So you're fighting people who don't believe in Allah in different stages, even within this three-phase aspect of Islam. So the reality is that they have to follow Muhammad's instructions. They're the literal word of God is what they are taught. And Muhammad claimed, and I'm quoting, that he was ordered by Allah to fight against the people until they testify that none has the right to be worshipped other than Allah. And so when you hear people saying Alua Akbar, that's what that means. It means that unless they declare that there is no one other than Allah, then they are marked for death. Now I'm going to quote an Islamic scholar. His name is Ibn Kathir, and he says this, and I'm quoting, Therefore all people of the world should be called to Islam. If any one of them refuses to do so or refuses to pay the Yidzi, then they should be fought until they are killed. Now, this is why there have been so many terrorist attacks sporadically in America. I mean, think about it geographically. We're quite large. But when you look at what's going on in Europe and how immigration of Muslims has increased to 25% in major cities, you'll notice that as those populations increase, so does crime. Why is that? Because Muhammad describes Jews and Christians as quote-unquote unjust, they're the worst of creatures, quote-unquote, they will dwell in hellfire. He says Muhammad had declared, and this was 1,400 years ago, more than that, Muhammad had declared, quote, I will expel the Jews and Christians from the Arabian Peninsula, and I will not leave any but Muslim. Now, if you're a transvestite like Bruce Jenner, if you're a homosexual, if you're a lesbian, if you don't want to believe in God, don't want to go to church, you're in that same boat too. You're going to be killed. You have a choice to convert or to die. Those are your only choices. Remember, the world is divided into two groups, Dar al-Harb, which is the house of war, or Dar al-Salam, which is what it, what they mean by quote-unquote peace. What people also need to understand is that there has been a plan in place for the last 40 years in North America through the Muslim Brotherhood. One of the documents, you can read it on my website, it's called the General Strategic Goal for the Group in North America. It's the 1991 Muslim Brotherhood Memorandum. And in this document, it is outlining in Arabic within an English translation the long-term plan of the Muslim Brotherhood for America. And this is what it, I'm quoting a couple of things from what this document reads, what it states. It says, For the enablement of Islam in North America, meaning establishing an effective and stable Islamic movement led by the Muslim Brotherhood, which adopts Muslims' causes domestically and globally, and which works to expand the observant Muslim base aims at unifying and directing Muslims' efforts, and presents Islam as a civilization alternative. I am not making this up. I am quoting from the general strategic goal for the group in North America. You can read the document. It's on my website on BethanyBlankley.com. The point is, to I'm still quoting, to support the global Islamic state wherever it is.
It's not a joke that ISIS is called these is a short is a shortened name abbreviation for the Islamic State. ISIS is a shortened abbreviation for the name Islamic State. And that is what the goal is for North America. And I'm not just talking about the United States of America. I'm also talking about Canada. Highlights of the, of the memo. This is what the Islamic reasoning is. And I'm quoting the movement. Remember, the Islamic movement of North America. It must, quote, plan and struggle to obtain the, quote, unquote, keys and the tools of this process to carry out this grand mission, a civilization jihad responsibility. Islam as a civilization alternative. It is called civilization jihad. The process is settlement. Remember, I've talked about it. Immigration, infiltration, procreation, and then you initiate and implement various aspects of wanting halal food, wanting Sharia-compliant constitutions, suing people through lawfare. All of that is the lower is the are the first steps that are be are being used when the population is lower, what lower than twenty percent. When Muslims breach, when Muslim breach that twenty five percent or forty percent or fifty percent of the population that they've immigrated to, forget about all that stuff. They're just gonna start violating all of the rules that exist. They're gonna violate all of the laws and they're gonna have Sharia councils in their own communities. That is what is happening throughout Europe. I'm gonna get more involved into Discussing what's happening in Europe because it's important. We are less than a generation behind Europe. What people need to understand is that following the Quran and understanding Islam as submission means you are looking at the entire world, the concept of a global caliphate, the concept of, of civilization alternative. This is why people don't believe that they're Muslims, don't believe that they're American or British or Canadian, or Kenyan, whatever it may be, they are always going to be in the house of Dar el-Salam. They will always consider themselves as Islamic first. Now I want to quote a Belgian leader, Abu Imran. Okay, This is what he says. Democracy is the opposite of Islam. A Muslim who supports democracy is equivalent to a Jewish Muslim. It's impossible to be both Jewish and Muslim and impossible to be a Muslim against Sharia. This is why when anybody says that Islam is a peaceful religion, what they mean, if they're using taqiyya and they are definitely lying to non-Muslims in the, in the house of war, the kufar, what they mean is that peace will only arrive when all non-Muslims convert or die. So the question is, are people going to put up with that in America? And if not, to recognize that calling this out for what it is, understanding the three phases of Islam, understanding the terms, understanding the context, and reading what's in the Quran, you will never ever hear a moderate Muslim say that they are against jihad. You will never ever hear a moderate Muslim or a quote-unquote peaceful Muslim. You will never, ever hear them condemn terrorist attacks. You will never, ever hear them oppose Sharia compliance or the need for Sharia councils. You're never going to hear them denounce, quote unquote, sex trafficking because they don't view it that way. Muhammad can marry a six-year-old and have sex with her at age nine. The reality is 
that Islam is a totalitarian political ideology designed with an intentional global perspective to destroy Western civilization because Islam is the only option for a civilization. It has every aspect of what in their mind is, is creating order. I've got to take a break. We'll be back. I'm going to talk more about Islam and I'm going to talk more about the concept of criminal Muslims and what's going on throughout Europe. You're listening to Bethany Blankley. I'm Renegade Talk Radio. We're going to talk more about Islamic insanity uh, in the next segments and the following shows as we get to more. Talk to you soon. Nonstop Shock Radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Bethany Blankley hosting America's Betrayal and Renegade Talk Radio. I want to talk to you about something that a, a Danish psychiatrist has dubbed a term that you'll want to understand because this is very key to understanding this third phase of Islam. And granted, this is a Western, a Western European concept, but there is a psychologist named Nikolai Senels who coined the term criminal Muslim. Now, why has this Danish psychiatrist said that? Because this is what he asserts, and he's written studies, he's visited jails in numerous places, and what he has, has come, what he has observed, and this is what he says, is that Islam creates, quote, a psychology of an unhealthy culture that spawns criminal minds, end quote. And his studies and research and his input led to a national debate, because what's going on in Europe is what's happening here about freedom of speech versus what is happening in Europe called integration programs. Now, as I was talking about earlier, dimitude, the form of taxing the third-class citizen, the kufar, if you are the majority in a country, you can tax the minority through an official tax system. If you're the minority, it's reverse logic. You go, you immigrate, you infiltrate, you immigrate, you procreate. And you implement Sharia in many aspects, but the key to that is going on welfare. Welfare is the reverse form of taxation because in their mind, the third class citizen should be working to pay them because they are better than the kufar. That is why reports consistently show throughout Western European countries, 80% of Muslims are on welfare. It is not a coincidence. It's not because they can't work. It's not because they're stupid. It's not because they don't have any um, any skills or because they don't want to work. You have to understand this is part of the ideology. Part of the ideology is going on welfare, which is why 80% are on welfare in Europe. 
However, the other aspect, when when Islam, when Muslim communities increase over 25%, over 40%, over 50%, they refuse what's, what Western countries are seeing is they refuse to integrate. They have no interest in becoming a Danish citizen, even though they may be a Dane on paper. They're not Danish. They don't embrace the culture. They don't want to. That is not the point. That is why British Muslims are not British. They may be British on paper, but Britain right now, the London right now has the number one export of training terrorism in all of, of Europe. And I'm not making that up. That was a study that was recently reported in several news reports, and they don't want to announce that. I mean, the government would like to not have to renounce any, announce any of these facts. The only good thing about, about governments and bureaucracy is that bureaucracy always leaves a paper trail. The law requires the paper trail. So they don't want to integrate. And so as a result, Western countries, Western European countries are creating these quote unquote integration departments. They have an entire department, an agency and staff devoted to helping quote unquote Muslim immigrants who don't know how or don't want to immigrate. Instead of getting them jobs, they're spending tax dollars to not only provide welfare for these people, but also seeking ways to, quote-unquote, integrate them into the society. The reality is they don't want that. And what's happening is that when the percentages increase, crime is escalating. And that is exactly what the psychiatrist was trying to explain. What he's saying is that Based on extensive research, interviews, and analysis, the psychiatrist is stating that, quote-unquote, Muslims are taught to be aggressive, insecure, irresponsible, and intolerant. This is what he's saying, a psychiatrist who's gone to the jails, because what's happening is throughout Scandinavia, more importantly, more than France or England, in Norway, Sweden, Denmark, the jails are full. They don't have enough jails to keep everybody who's committing crimes, who are the majority of whom are Muslim. In Norway, Sweden, Denmark, what's happening? Well, imams are preaching and calling for decapitation in jail for anybody who leaves Islam. Why? Because they, re- re- they reject European laws and values. They don't, they don't appreciate, nor do they want, free speech. Sweden right now is having a rape crisis. You heard me right, rape. Sweden has the number one, the highest number of rapes of any country in Europe. Why? Because Muslim immigrants coming to the country who account for 5% of its population are committing over 75% of the crime. Rape is directly resulted to the influx of Muslim asylum seekers, and this is the problem. Muslims are quote-unquote seeking asylum in Western countries from quote-unquote oppression from their Muslim-majority countries. The same concept is happening here with our refugee resettlement program. The asylum seekers, they go to Denmark, they go to Sweden, they go to Norway, they go to the UK. They get paid to live there. They get paid not to work. They get free health care. And what's happening? Crime is increasing. Budgets are skyrocketing. Debt is increasing. And the jails are full. 
Now, the majority of rapes are going unreported. That's true. But when you look at statistics from the major cities, and I had a Swedish woman who helped translate this for me. For example, the Swedish public radio in Stockholm, over 1,000 Swedish women reported that Muslim immigrants raped them. 300, that's one-third, were under age 15. What you need to understand is that one-third of the people living in Stockholm are immigrants, and 25% of, 24% of them are Muslim. Nobody wants to call out what's really happening. As the Muslim immigration takes place and increases, and the majority of certain neighborhoods are gentrifying to only be Islamic-controlled, crime goes up. Welfare costs go up. And so what's happening? Well, Norway, they can't sustain. They're, they're overcapacitated. So what is, their, what is their response to dealing with increased crime by immigrants who are Muslim? They're deporting them. That's their response. Norway says, you know what? We're not going to tax our citizens anymore to pay to take care of, of these immigrants in our jails. We're over, we have no room for them. We're not going to build new jails. These aren't our citizens in jail. Well, what was Norway's response? They're going to deport the criminal Muslims back to where they came from. And where are they coming from? The criminal Muslims are coming from Nigeria, Afghanistan, Romania, and Morocco. What's happening in Amsterdam? Second second generation immigrants. So can you imagine your grandparents come to New York City from Holland and your parents are second generation your parents would have already gotten a job and spoken English and kept their Swedish heritage, kept their Danish heritage, whatever their heritage was. So your parents would be second-generation immigrants. Technically, they're citizens of the United States of America. They were born in America. They're second-generation immigrants. The difference is that people who came to America originally wanted to be American citizens. What's happening now throughout Europe is that the immigrants who are technically Dutch citizens, for example, they are publicly murdering non-immigrant citizens. There are guys who are second-generation Dutch citizen immigrants. They're using AK-47s just randomly in Amsterdam during the day. And these are not isolated incidents. What's happening is that the governments don't know how to deal with this. They're trying all of these different programs to, to quote-unquote, divert young Muslims away from crime. The reality is that the Dutch government, the Dutch people, they've been paying over $7 billion every year in crime and welfare costs related to Muslim immigrants. When are we going to say enough is enough? We're not going to deal with We're not going to accept this. We're not going to take this anymore. It's not okay to attack film directors because you don't like what they're producing. It's not okay to, to try and kill politicians because you don't like them. It's not okay just to shoot people up in the streets simply because you don't want to be part of a Western government. Well, if you don't want to be involved in a Western society or civilization, then go back to where you came from. If you have nothing positive to contribute, if you have no interest in working, if you have no interest in learning the language, and if you only have interest in causing crime, and honestly, this, this goes specifically to definitions in the Quran of mischief makers, 
The criminal Muslim mind is nothing but a mischief maker. And this is what a Dutch MP, Michael de Graaf, has said. Michael de Graaf is what I will say, is what I'll call him in, in English, the English translation of his name. De Graaf claims, and I'm quoting, the Netherlands must be de-Islamicized. All mosques must be closed. Jihadists must be expelled and never allowed back. And the borders must be closed to people from Islamic countries. The Dutch government must commit itself to repatriation of Muslims back to Muslim countries so we will not be plagued with honor killings, cousin marriages, anti-Semitism, homophobia, animal abuse, rampant crime, and rape. This is what is happening, people. If you don't want to follow Western law, there is a reason why. There is a reason why. Now, on the one hand, in my opinion, it has to do with understanding the three phases of Islam. You understand the concept of Western uh, civilization jihad, of completely taking over Western laws and standards. On the other hand, you can look at it from a psychological perspective, where a criminal psychologist in Denmark has gone to all of the prisons and has, re- and has reviewed and observed and interviewed and looked at files and seen what's happening in the prisons, and he's seeing an unhealthy culture that quote-unquote spawns criminal minds. Why? Because Muslims are being taught not to become proud Danish citizens, not to become proud Norwegian citizens, but they are being taught to be aggressive, irresponsible, and intolerant. This is from a doctor who is very well respected. Now, One of the things that people need to understand is that we're talking about countries like there are states in the United States of America. We're talking about the security of Belgium being the size of Delaware or Israel being half of the size of New Jersey or France being the size of Virginia. The reality is, is that when you think about Muslims integrating and immigrating and crossing borders of European countries, think about it in terms of crossing from state to state, infiltrating and taking over entire cities greater than 25 to 40 percent. And that's what you have throughout Europe. What people need to understand is that with the increase in crime, With the disrespect and disregard for Western laws, with the refusal to integrate or become meaningful citizens other than being a citizen on a piece of paper, all of this comes with the extinction of Jews. What people need to understand is that as the Muslim populations increase, their number one objective is to kill Jews and Christians. Why? As I've already talked about, the Quran instructs it. People need to understand that they don't start and they don't begin and end with Jews. Jews may be sectioned off in a certain area. They may be taxed. They may have their businesses stolen. They may be shoved into cattle cars and sent to the gas chamber. But they didn't just stop with that. They don't stop with that. How Jews are treated in this country or any other country is an indication of what will happen to you and your family. And this is not a scare tactic. It's just reality. It is historical fact. And the reality in the United States of America is that Jews remain the number one target, the number one victim of hate crimes in America. Jews in 2015, 2014, 2013 America 
What are we going to do about it? We're going to say we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to say for PC reasons that Islam is peaceful when we know full well it isn't. We're not going to accept a man as a woman when we know full well that a man is not a woman. We're not going to accept someone saying they were born with the wrong skin color and they're really black when everybody can see that they're white. It's no different. Islam is not a religion and it is not peaceful. There is a goal, a civilization jihad. It is happening in the United States of America. In the next show, we're going to talk about jihad camps in over 26 states in the United States of America. There are people training, receiving taxpayer dollars to kill Americans on American soil. It's escalated since 2008. But the reality is that jihad camps exist in the United States of America. ISIS camps exist a few miles south of the Texas border. There is a reason why. It's called civilization jihad. It's called creating Islam as a civilization alternative. The reality of Americans who are not Muslims, anyone who is not a Muslim actually, They are already categorized as enemies. And regardless, if you look at somebody as your neighbor or whomever it is you want and you don't consider them enemies, it doesn't matter because they consider you an enemy. They have a goal. They have a mission. And they're not going to stop. And they're patient because who cares? They started this a generation ago. In fact, there are tweets and public comments that Islamic leaders have made and written and spoken That within a generation, they believe Western countries and America and Canada will all be taken over by Islam. Muslim majority population will be enough to implement their civilization jihad. And many like everyone else listening to Renegade Talk Radio, you're not alone like me saying not on my watch. Over my dead body, is that going to happen? You're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio. Don't be scared. We have options. There are solutions. There are things we can do. We'll keep talking about that. Go to my website to learn more on bethanyblankley.com. But we have an opportunity and a responsibility to stand up and name evil for what it is. If Auschwitz and the Nazis and the Germans were so bad, then why can't we say the same thing about Islam? And why are we allowing our government to send money and troops and training and guns and ammunition and transportation to ISIS? Why are, why are the people in our Congress not in jail for committing treason to do that? And why is nobody saying anything about sending $12 billion to Iran? We don't have that kind of money. Where are we getting that money to send money to a sworn enemy who says we're the great Satan? This is the Alice in Wonderland that we're living in, where even our politicians can't identify right from wrong, which is a whole nother show in and of itself, where I really do advocate we need to get most of the people in Washington out of Washington. This is Bethany Blankley. You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio.